This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye baseball. Eight strikeout for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right. Welcome back, Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Gary Hill here. Glad you're here once again. Mariners and the Pirates wrap up the brief two-game series. Off day today, another off day, and what has been seemingly a lot of off days the last couple of weeks. But off day for the Mariners today. Big series in Chicago, starting with day baseball on Friday. A rare, what what a weird weekend this is. The Mariners will play a day game on Friday and a night game on Sunday. That's something you see very often. Sunday night baseball with the King Felix Hernandez pitching. We'll get into the Cubs series coming up in the podcast tomorrow. But today we're going to talk about the Pirates, about the game yesterday, the Mariners fall. Really great conversation coming up. Shannon Dreyer talks to Kyle Seeger, and I think it's pretty interesting when he talks about what he expected of himself as a player and what he has turned out to be as a player and this off the cusp of hitting 20 home runs that we talked about in the podcast yesterday. I think it's pretty interesting. So that comes up. A couple of really fun and entertaining conversations. One, Aaron Goldsmith with the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates, Clint Hurdle. I think it's really interesting. I think the Pirates are a very interesting team. I've been really fascinated by them for a while. They've been kind of on the cutting edge of a lot of numbers, uh, catch framing, things like that. So they've been, for me, really interesting to watch about how they've gone about things and trying to get every advantage possible. They, they Payroll is small compared to a lot of teams in, in the major leagues, and we've seen their success the past few years. They've been consistently in the postseason and uh, have had a number of gr- uh, really good years in a row. Interesting conversation with Clint Hurdle, too. And if you've read the book Big Data Baseball, it kind of gives you an inside look at the Pirates and what they've done. And some of those themes, will uh, you'll hear some of those when Aaron Goldsmith talks to Clint Hurdle. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, another conversation I think you'll enjoy. Pittsburgh Pirate former pitcher Steve Blass and now a broadcaster for the Pirates. He tells some great stories. He was on the Pirates team that won the World Series. He played with Roberto Clemente. He's going to talk about his impact in Pittsburgh. That comes up in a few minutes as well. I think you really like that one. So a big podcast coming up. Let's get to the game yesterday. The Mariners taking game one of the series against the Pirates, breaking out the sticks. But, boy, Pittsburgh really returned the favor. James Paxton, he got off to a good start in the game yesterday. 
Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss by McCutcheon for strike three. And a fastball from James Paxton, and that will retire the side. Back to back strikeouts for the lefty from Lander. Two strikeouts for James here in the bottom of the first inning. That's it for the Pirates. Things took a turn in the third, though. He would give up a three spot in the third inning. The start for Paxton, he ends up going five, six hits, three runs, one walk, and six strikeouts on 97 pitches. Drew Storen just acquired. He made his Mariners debut in the sixth inning. That inning went well. The 3-1 to Harrison. Swinging a ground ball to Seager. Back a couple of steps. Scoops it up. A whip on to first base. And a nice stretch by Lind on the final end. So Harrison, a ground ball out to third. And Drew Storen in his Mariners debut. A very harmless one, two, three, bottom of the sixth inning on three ground ball outs. The seventh would change, though. He'd give up a single to Cole. Mercer, infield single. Freeze would strike out. Then McCutcheon would single. Marte would walk, and that would be it for Storen as Carnage come in. Then a double, and the game is broken wide open in the seventh inning. The Mariners just played one run in the ball game, a sacrifice fly in the sixth inning. The one-two pitch, swinging this is shot out to center field. It sends McCutcheon a long way back. He curls in front of the warning track, and he makes the catch. For out number two, Aoki, though, has all day to run home from third base, and the Mariners are on the board. Cano, a sacrifice fly out to center field, and it's now 3-1 Pirates. And it ended up being all Pirates. 10-1, Pittsburgh gets the win. Garrett Cole, who was one of the most talented pitchers in the big leagues, had a fantastic year last year. Struggled with injury a little bit this year. Has not been as effective this season, but he certainly was in the game yesterday. Complete game three-hitter gives up a run. No walks and stick strikeouts. He was dominant on 94 pitches. He was he was in control. He was outstanding. He didn't need as many runs as he got, but he got 10 big ones, and the Pirates get the win. So the series split 1-1, to off day today, and the Mariners will take on the Cubs. And, again, we'll talk about that coming up tomorrow. Here's what Scott Service had to say about the ball game. Garrett Cole was pretty good. Yeah, no, he, he threw the ball really good. Um, I think that's the first complete game we've had against us all year. Um, you know, we – you know, Adam uh, ran a pitch count up a little bit in the first inning, but after that he got in a pretty good groove for a while, and then they played outstanding defense uh, late in the game. They made three nice plays in the seventh and, you know, play there in the ninth. But, uh, you know, tip their hat to them. He, he threw the ball well. Did a nice job. What did you see from Paxton tonight? Um, you know, I thought his stuff was, was good. Maybe not quite as sharp as we saw in Toronto the other day. Um, you know, and, and he battled, you know, the, uh, the third inning when he gave up to three runs. Um, you know, it wasn't like he gave in. All of his pitches were still working. He was still pitching. Um, you know, he, he hung in there, just didn't, didn't get a lot of breaks in that inning. Uh, you know, the leadoff triple, um, you know, and then the, the double, and then the infield hit. You know, there were some other things. But, uh, uh, you know, I thought he competed well. It's just not quite as sharp. Just that, that one inning. Yeah, his stuff was really good. Storen, you, you put, put out there quick. Uh, see what he had? Yeah, you know, he, he got through the first inning and, you know, kind of looking at where we were at, uh, you know, in, in our lineup. And, you know, I probably pushed the envelope a little too far uh, with that one. But I, I liked what I saw. Um, you know, he's going to help us. There, there is no doubt. Um, you know, but just try to maybe extend him a little too far in that. Just a matter of wanting to see what he had at that point, or uh, you know, kind of it was more kind of where it's the National League, you know, you're where we're in the lineup, pitch spot coming up, you know, where we're at there. But uh, 
You know, he was the, that was the pitcher uh, up for them, and then one, two. Um, he didn't throw a ton of pitches in the first inning that he was out there, but uh, you know, uh, I liked what I saw, and, and um, you know, he's going to help us. The rest of the bullpen didn't help you very much, though. Yeah, we struggled. You know, um, you know, Carnsey uh, coming in the first pitch, they jumped on it, and uh, big hit there. You know, kind of busted it open, and then you know, Rollins struggled a little bit there in the last inning. So, um, you know. We're right there in the game, 3-1, tough game. You're going to need a big hit or something to go your way. Uh, again, you know, the three plays they made in the seventh inning, uh, you know, that, that was tough. <laughs> we're, right, we're right there in the game. They made three outstanding plays. Hey, the drive to, for the triple that Nori took the uh, slide on, what did you see from where you were? You know, his ball, you know, it's, it's, he's closing on it. The, like the ball's hanging up there for a while. Um, you know, uh, not an easy play. Um, you know, when, when he slides down like that, you're hoping he comes up with it, you know, first out of the inning and you keep rolling. But, uh, you know, obviously it, it didn't happen. So, um, you know, they made the plays tonight. You know, we didn't on that one. He gave you the only guy with any kind of spark offensively. Yeah, I really swung the bat well. Uh, obviously, did a couple doubles and they hit another ball in the gap well uh, also. So he, he was he was locked in. He was on. Probably the only guy that was really on uh, Cole tonight. So, again, you know, I tip your hat to him. He's a good pitcher, had good stuff, um, you know, and. And pitch count was very manageable all night for him. Nights like this for uh, McCutcheon have been pretty far between this year. How do you approach a guy who has such a great track record, but maybe this season uh, has been down for him? Oh, he's a very talented player, very dangerous. And, you know, when you get in bad counts with him, you know, he's, he's going to do damage. So, you know, he's, he's a good player, no doubt. Just he's having maybe a little bit of an off year, but um, for as much as we've seen him, he's been pretty good. Yeah, it's a strange season McCutcheon is having. He's been so consistent the last few years. It's been more of a struggle this year, but he had a big hit in the ball game yesterday. Home run goes three for five, four RBIs. The Mariners won't have to deal with McCutcheon any longer. Off day, again, Mariners taking on the Cubs. James Paxton's uh, five innings. How did he feel about his start? Cutter really wasn't there today, and uh, that was tough. Uh, you know, went to the curveball more through a few change-ups. Um, you know, with the cutter, I think because I was pulling, I was either spiking it or, or hanging it. Uh, the fastball is a little bit easier to um, to work with there in the curveball. So, uh, you know, we mainly went with those two. Um, and, yeah. James, you give up the runs there, but it was important to come back, you know, post a little bit, get those two innings, kind of get at least try and salvage the play. Yeah, you know, in that situation like that, um, I'm just trying to keep the team in the game, you know, I'm trying to limit damage. Um, unfortunately, though, they got those three runs in the third inning, uh, but I just wanted to keep them there and give us a chance to come back. You know, tough pitcher, Garrett Cole pitched a great game, but, uh, you know, keeping them to three runs really gave, tried to, you know, I did my best to give us a chance to come back in there. Yeah, I mean, he threw the ball great, and they were making some really good defensive plays behind him. Um, you know, so it was just one of those nights where they, they were playing really well. You have an extended inning where you throw that many pitches. That kind of changed the complexion, I would imagine, for you. Yeah, you know, it was that was a tough inning. Um, a lot of pitches, and, uh, you know, they were, they were really battling right there. Um, 
I just really had to come back and focus on making some good pitches and try to get as far in the game as I could to uh, help the bullpen. You mentioned the curve was a little bit of trouble, but the curve you've been working on, did you feel better about that this time? Were you able to carry that over? Yeah, the curve ball was better um, than the cutter tonight for sure. Um, it wasn't as good as it was in Toronto uh, because I was pulling a little bit early. Um, I wasn't staying on it quite as long. It wasn't, it wasn't quite as sharp. Um, but, you know, I'll get back in the bullpen this week and uh, work on that and get it back to where it needs to be. James Paxson, the start for the M's, gets tagged with the loss. So Mariners will move on to Chicago, and we'll talk about that coming up tomorrow. Right now, let's hear from Shannon Dreher, a chance to sit down with Kyle Seeger. We were away from the club for a couple of days. We got to go to the Hall of Fame. That was absolutely fantastic. And kept checking in on scores and seeing good things, and we've seen some offense. We saw that carryover last night. What is clicking right now with you as a group? Um, you know, it's definitely, we've been swinging the bat pretty good lately. You know, I think, um, you know, I think our pitch has been pretty good too. So, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're firing on, you know, a lot of cylinders. I think, you know, like last night the bullpen was phenomenal. Felix really settled down. But, you know, I think offensively we've been, you know, playing a little better. Hey, you were right out there. We saw those two innings where we saw Tom Wilhelmson come in and he inherited the runners on. We saw Edwin Diaz get himself into a little bit of trouble. But then to see those two big arms do what they did, what did you see from where you were at? Yeah, it, it was pretty uh, It was pretty special. You know, I think, uh, you know, Tommy coming in there with, you know, at least the guy on third. I think there was no outs, too, to get those two big strikeouts that the guys he had to go through were, were pretty impressive. And I thought he, he was throwing really hard last night, which was nice. And, and you know, Diaz has been, you know, unbelievable all year. And, you know, he kind of... Got into a little bit of jam as well, and you you know you really saw him, you know, pitching out there, which was pretty good too. So I mean, it was uh, it was it was pretty fun to watch. A difference in pitching as opposed to going and blowing everybody away. He was you saw something different. Yeah, you you know he kind of had to um, you know mix it up a little bit, and was you know you could tell there was a little more thought than you know he was. It was just blowing everybody away. So they were you know they were able to make pretty good at bats, and you know got a couple hits on, and you know you really saw him bear down and you know really execute pitches there. How does the pitching play into the offense? You, you know, you mentioned you're seeing the better starting performances. You're seeing the longer performances. It, it just it seems like a little bit of a mystery, but it's true. It seems like everybody performs better when they do. It, it really is a big carryover effect. You know, when when your when your starters going deep in games and you know keeping you in the game, there's a much more of a confidence. You know, from the offensive side. You know, if uh, you know if they're getting knocked around or it's kind of an early exit, you know the the game can you know slip away from you early there, and you kind of feel that. But you know the way the way our starters have been throwing the ball, you know really lately, it's it's been a you know a lot of fun to play behind. A lot of fun to watch you at the plate yesterday too. We won't talk about the non-triple, but that would have been a lot of. <laughs> I think that was covered last night. But you know, home run number twenty. You said something afterwards which really kind of struck me. You said, you know, I never thought I would hit twenty home runs. Well, you know, like when you're you know, in the minors and coming up and, you know, college and, you know, you always want to, you know, play in the big leagues. You know, I never really anticipated myself or saw myself being, you know, hitting, you know, home runs. So that was kind of a, you know, this has definitely been a, a good shock for me. Are you a different player than you thought you would be? You know, I kind of had to be. I kind of had to adjust. You know, I don't think, you know, if the type of player I was was, a, you know, kind of a gap-to-gap, hit doubles, you know, hit for, you know, a higher average and, you know, in, in reality, when you look at the, the situation, I'm I'm not a real fast guy. So, you know, me hitting for a higher average without any without any uh, you know power really wouldn't have you know allowed me to stick as much. I think. And I think you mentioned once too the position change had something to do with that as well. Yeah, you know, when I when I moved to third, it, it kind of became a realization that 
you know, for me to me to stick in the big leagues, you know, I'm probably not going to be a utility player just because, you know, I really can't play shortstop and, you know, don't run as well. And, you know, for me to stick in the big leagues, it was have to be like an everyday third baseman or an everyday second baseman. And, you know, coming up, it was Ackley, so he was the second baseman. So my, you know, my real choice was to, to be a third baseman. And, you know, third baseman's that, you know, hit for, you know, a little higher average, but, you know, really can't run or, you know, aren't really driving in a whole lot of runners, you know, that's, that's a kind of a tough gig. So, you know, I had to, had to hit for a little bit more power. So you surprised yourself, though, in the end a little bit. Yeah, you know, I've, I changed my swing a little bit, you know, definitely, you know, tried to get as, as strong as I could and, you know, continue to work on that. And, and it was, you know, something that, you know, I needed to do to, to stay. So good thing Ackley was here and they signed Cano, apparently. Yeah, hey, it worked out fine for me. I'm, I'm not mad at all how it's working out. And as it turns out, with all the shifts, now you do get to play shortstop every now and then. Yeah, I'm back, I'm back to shortstop just as much as I am third, so it's good. All right, well, it's good. Kyle, thank you. And now Aaron Goldsmith with Clint Hurdle, the manager of the Pirates. Clint, it's a real pleasure to have a chance to catch up with you here inside your office at PNC Park. Right above your desk, an absolutely gorgeous painting of Roberto Clemente watching over us here and. Clint, your time with the Pirates has been really a fascinating one. You look at your first two seasons here, 72 wins, 79 wins. Since then, the year 2013, 94, 88, 98 wins. The Pirates have been one of the best teams in baseball. In your eyes, what, what was the difference between year two and year three with you here in Pittsburgh? I really believe we were prepared for the 13 season to the challenges the 11 and 12 season brought us. So many times, you heard me say it earlier, men will commit to something until it gets push time and then we we go a different lane we, we change something I really believe we were committed to to pushing this organization forward off the mound first play solid defense second find a way to score one more run than the other team both years we played well until late we got basically the lack of depth hurt us and I related it back to a story that many of us have lived we got beat up on the playground when you get beat up on the playground do you go home and tell your dad to go or do you find a way to get bigger, stronger, and get back on the playground because it's the only playground? So I really believe a lot of the challenges we had in 11-12 by pushing through them, by staying together, holding fast, being committed to one another, helped us push through the 13th season because those same challenges came around again. We met them and pushed through them. You began your career as a major league manager with the Rockies in 2002. You won a pennant in Colorado in 07, and here you are in your 14th season managing Major League Baseball. You and the Pirates are considered some of the more forward thinkers in this game. How has your job as a major league manager changed from 02 to 07 to now 16? You know, it's crazy. It, it truly is. It's, it's been on a, at times, been on fast forward. Um, 02 to 07, incremental movements forward. We got a little more creative, a little more proactive. In, in Colorado, one of the beautiful things was 07, we went to the World Series, we had 21 homegrown players. We had two rookie starters, a rookie shortstop, and a rookie closer, and a team went to the World Series. It doesn't happen very very often that way. Um, getting out of the game, after being fired in Colorado, spending the summer in the MLB Network, I started digging in the analytics. I heard these guys talking about numbers. I didn't know what they meant. Where are you getting them? What's this? We were just starting to scratch the surface in Colorado. Nothing near the depth that these men were doing the work in, in the network. So I said, you know what? I got the summer off. I got nothing to do. <laughs> Let me start checking this stuff out. And all of a sudden, I saw the, revel the, the relevance to it. The, it was another information source. It did make sense. There were things you could not argue with. So I started digging more. And then the year in Texas, 
they we weren't as as aggressive as they were at the MLB Network with the analytics, but Mike Maddox was from a pitching standpoint. So he actually kind of incubated me in the, the offensive side of it. So we were up and then got our guys to speed. We all started working together on it in Texas. When I got here, the programs were in place at the minor league level. And it just took me to get some warm-up time to catch them up to major league speed at our level and to commit to them. When the Pirates were in Seattle earlier this year, we had a brief conversation about the culture that so many people talk about here in Pittsburgh that you've helped establish with the Pirates. And you described it, your clubhouse that is, as a self-cleaning oven. Can you take us through that a little bit more? You know, right now it's you model the behavior you want to instill in others. And I continue to model the behavior I want to instill in others every day. We put together a leadership council my third year here. We've got men that I reach out to that spend time with me twice a month that we talk about values, we talk about integrity, we talk about character. We also talk about any rocks in their shoes they might have from a family standpoint. In-game entertainment is crazy. We talk about everything. There's nothing we don't kick around. That way, I have an understanding, perception of what's important to them. They have a better understanding, perception of what's important to me. Um, now we get out there with just the way we do our business, the way we, we play the game, the way we take care of one another. It's been great because I'll see little things happen and I'll see players go, no, no, we don't do that here. Mm. You hear it. When you start hearing that we don't do that here, you know you're heading in the right direction. Basically, it's three questions. Can I trust you? Can you make me better? And do you care about me? Those are the three questions I try to get answered for all those players out there every year because you're never going to have an opportunity to coach until a player trusts you. This seems like it dovetails nicely with something else that you mentioned, and that is, and forgive me if the phrase isn't exactly correct, but servant-led leadership. Yeah. Yeah, when players know that you're actually here to put them in the best positions you can to have success, and it's not about me winning an award or getting an extension. (laughs) Seriously, no. I can remember in the minor leagues when a manager came in after a game and was going to give rip us a new one, and he kept talking about, I need to win this, right? And <laughs> we, we all were out after about the third eye. Yeah. I mean, truly, it goes back to the golden rule. How, how would I want to be treated if I was in their shoes? What can I do? Empathy is a huge word, and it has deep meaning. I don't... I don't feel pity. I don't feel sorry for you. Empathy, though, I try and feel what they feel. I've been in a similar situation. I want to lead by example. I want to leave to ser- lead to serve others. There's nothing in it for me. My job is to make Neil's job easier, to make my coach's job easier, to make <laughs> Jimmy's job easier, to make the player's job easier. That's really my job. Once they see that, and they've been here almost six years now, and they, they kind of believe it, they've bought into it, they show up in a different way. They know that they have the freedom to go play. I'm going to pull them aside from time to time like a GPS. I'm not going to, you know, it's not about telling them what's wrong. Tell them, hey, have you thought about doing it a different way? If we get in that situation again, what would you do differently? Because back in the day when I did something wrong, I pretty much got yelled at. <laughs> you know, and then you get on the apprehensive. You, you don't play to win. You play not to get yelled at. <laughs> Well, back in the day for you began with the Kansas City Royals. You came up with Kansas City, and you were a roommate at one point with George Brett, one of the great characters in the game and, of course, a Hall of Famer. Is there one story that stands out for you living with George Brett? Who was, who was cleaner? Who kept a cleaner room, you or I George? I kept a cleaner room. Um, yeah. It was kind of crazy because he was such a great player and just a regular guy. I mean, he was just a, a guy when we were there. What do you want to watch TV? Where do you want to go for lunch? I mean, it was nothing out of the ordinary. 
Um, I, and I, all the all the stories that I have, um, we're going to keep <laughs> under lock and wrap here. Other than he was a giver, he cared about his teammates, he cared about other people, he loved to smile, he loved to laugh, he loved to play baseball. Finally, Clint, hopefully this is an example of, of time healing all wounds. You were in spring training with the Mariners in 1983, and by all reports, had a very good spring with the Mariners, and it looked as though you were for sure going to break camp with the big league club, and things did not exactly go as planned. Can you take us back to the spring of 1983? It was a, a fun spring. Renee Latchman was the manager, Veda Pinson, Chuck Cotier, coaching staff, a great group of guys. Larry Anderson was on the team, Bill Caudell. Um, the, the, the Lord was pitching for us at the time. <laughs> Well, spring went well. I had a very good spring, hit very well. It got to the point where we went to Vegas, played a couple exhibition games, went to Seattle, had a couple more exhibition games. My last three at-bats, I either tied a game or won a game with a pinch hit. The day before opening day, I was called in the manager's office and was told I made the club. That's pretty cool. And the next day, I show up early. It's opening day. We're going to play the Yankees. It's a night game. And I'm told i got to go to the upstairs to Daniel Bryan's office. Well, of course I do. I have to sign a contract. <laughs> And I go up there, and then I'm told that, hey, we just got Ken Phelps, I think, or Rod Allen. I can't remember what time it was. And we're going to release you. <laughs> well, Renee wouldn't go up and be a part of it because, obviously, you know, he told me the night before. Right. Anyway, there was – it was hard, to yeah. say the least. It, it was hard. And the hardest part was I'd call my dad the night before and told him to get the car and bring the stuff, start heading to – to, to Seattle, so that's without cell phones. This is making a couple calls to a couple people and having cops in different states look for your father on the highway and turn him around and send him home. And that's what we ended up doing. We turned around and sent him home. I ended up in Tidewater uh, two days later go play for a triple-A team. Crazy. Hopefully that does not give you any uh, added burn against the Mariners no, these days. No, we're all good. Clint, it's always a pleasure. You've been incredibly gracious with your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. And here's Aaron and Rick with Steve Blass, former Pirates pitcher, now broadcaster. Here in Baltimore, Maryland, it's overcast and windy. And the poor old Baltimore Orioles manager, Earl Weaver, is down to his last 20-game winner, Mike Cuellar. The Pittsburgh Pirates are going with a pitcher they think has been their best the last two months of the season, a right-hander, Steve Blass. And so the two teams who started spring training last February are now down to their final game in a one-game World Series. The voice of the great Kurt Gowdy on October 17th of 1971. Welcome back to the Puget Sound Accurate Dealers pregame show. Time for the roundtable. Aaron Goldsmith, Rick Riz, and the man that was just talked about, Steve Blass, a World Series champion and now a broadcaster on radio and television for the Pirates, joins us. Steve, it's so good to have you. What does it sound like to you when you hear Kurt Gowdy's voice from Game 7 of the World Series, a game that you went the distance and won for the Pirates. Well, Aaron, for about the 4,000th time, it sounds wonderful. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. That came on, and I, I get the goosebumps again, because when you're eight years old, you dream about that sort of thing, and not everybody gets the opportunity. And I grew up in a small town in, in uh, upstate Connecticut, a uh, small little high school, and uh, it, it's what dreams are made of, and, and very few people get to, to live them. So uh, every time I hear that... Uh, that voice of Kurt Gowdy, I, I think of uh, that day, October 17th, a long time ago, and it's, it's still right there. Steve, uh, the Orioles won the opening two games of the World Series. You started game three. You needed to win that game. You did. You went all the way. Then you win game seven. You went all the way. Our good friend Nellie Bryles, who we've known for many, many yes. years, uh, also won a game in that World Series. What do you remember about game seven uh, that you won against Baltimore 2-1? to one? 
Well, uh, just about every pitch. Uh, and uh, it's one of those things, it was two hours and 20 minutes through 134 pitches. Wow. Uh, kind of crazy stuff. But I remember Roberto Clemente hitting a home run to get us uh, out in front one to nothing. And then I also remember Willie Stargell at first base and Jose Pagan. They put the hit and run on for Willie to give him some kind of head start. And Pagan hit a double. Willie's coming around second base, and our coach over there says, come on, Willie. And Willie's looking at him and saying, really? I gotta keep <laughs> so I got around third base. He did score, but people call it a slide. It was a surrender at home plate. <laughs> that was the second run, and uh, it was just phenomenal. And then go out there in the top of the ninth, or the bottom of the ninth, rather, and, uh, and uh, get them out one, two, three, and it was uh, – it was Frank Robinson, Boog Powell, and wow. Merv Rettman on uh, I don't know how many pitches. But uh, after that, you just go crazy because when you're eight years old, you're thinking, what would I do if I'm on the mound for the last out in the seventh game of World Series? And you do all kind of things practicing when you're eight years old. When it happens, you have no idea what's going on. I ran over and jumped on Bob Robertson, who's about 6'5 and about 270. So I picked the right guy. <laughs> and uh, it, was just, it was just wonderful. And it followed game three which was my best ever game to that point. And after the last out at Three Rivers Stadium, my dad jumped off the dugout and joined me on the first baseline wow. during an interview with Tony Kubek. You know, and we all have fathers or have had fathers and singular moments. When I saw my dad, this plumber from Falls Village, Connecticut, running out to be with his kid <laughs> who won a World Series game, I will remember that for the rest of my life. Oh, my goodness. That is incredibly emotional. We talked about Roberto Clemente just briefly. He was the World Series MVP. You were second in the voting. Close for, vote. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us? We see the statue. We obviously see the bridge, the wall, the Clemente wall, which is 21 feet high in right field here at PNC Park. One of the greatest of all time, one of the greatest human beings to ever play this game. Can you tell us what it was like being a teammate and a friend of Roberto Clemente? Well, you hit two out of three. He was a teammate, a friend, and a hero. Uh, you know, just watching him, he had a presence. He could take a 10-year Major League veteran and turn him into a 10-year-old kid because you didn't want to take your eyes off him. Major League players are, are a special brand. And then he played at a different level above that. I mean, he had a presence when he was kneeling in the on-deck circle. And uh, I, I, when I felt validated enough to be a teammate, because I had him up on his pedestal, I finally went over and said, Roberto, here's the deal. If I ever get traded... I'm going to pitch you inside because every National League pitcher pitches you away and you hit 350. So, Blast, I'm going to tell you one thing. You pitch me inside. I hit the ball to Harrisburg. I said, all right, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. We're good. We're good. But, Harrisburg's uh, a long way. Yeah, but just, just think, uh, pitching in front of Maz at second, Starzl at first, and Clemente in right, three Hall of Famers. I said, just hit the ball that direction. No, I'm going to go out and get a sandwich, and when I come back, you'll be out. I mean, it's just... It was, it was such a, a great era of baseball, pitching with that kind of team and pitching against the guys like Seavers and the Carltons and the Koufaxes and uh, Gibsons and all those guys. Yeah. It was just wonderful and uh, just magic. Uh, it was an honor to be a teammate of Roberto Clemente. And, uh, you know, he did wonderful things before he died in that, that uh, horrific uh, airplane accident. So he was consistent, very principled, very uncompromising. And, boy, was he fun to have out in right field. (laughs) Steve, we could talk to you forever, and we certainly hope that in three years when we have the Pirates again in interleague play that we can do this again. Hey, Aaron, I'll be on time next time. (laughs) (laughs) They're running you ragged. You were right on time. You made it, buddy. Steve Steve Blass, one of the great Pirates and uh, certainly a, a champion of 1971 with the Pirates. Thanks for swinging by. My pleasure. See you later!